I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk to you about Anchor. Anchor is brought to you by Spotify and is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It will also help you distribute your podcast across popular podcast hosting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Best of all, you can make money from your podcast on Anchor with no minimum listenership. So for those of us just starting out, this is very helpful. And do you know how much it costs to have everything you need to make a podcast in one place? 100% free. Yep, you heard me right. You can do all of this and make money for free. So if you have been thinking about starting your own podcast, now is your chance. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, I'm Yan. Hi, I'm Yvonne. Welcome to Lost and Refound Podcast. We're a podcast discussing our personal journeys as modern Asian women and sharing inspiring stories from within our community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 16 of Lost and Refound Podcast. Um, today we have Yvonne. Hi, Yvonne. Hi. And we have a special guest, Serena, saying hi, Serena. Hi. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Serena is um, director and owner of Brilliant Kids School in San Francisco, correct? Yeah, correct. And she is here to chat with us today about early childhood development and education, which I'm really passionate about because I have two kids. Um, so I can't wait to chat with you, Serena. But before mm-hmm. that, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our audience, let our audience know what it is you do and a little bit about Britain Kids. Yes, absolutely. So my name is Serena Sang. I graduated in uh, UC Riverside back in 2014. And then afterward, I worked a little bit with um, kids with autism, I think for like half a year. But the truth was, it wasn't really paying the bills. They were assigning me like 10 hours work week. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how am I going to pay rent, you know? Um, so I kind of gave up living in um, Los Angeles. And at that time, my mom was running her childcare in San Francisco. It was, you know, it, it was, she was running her childcare for the, I think, fifth year. And she was looking to expand, right? So she wanted me to come home, basically, and was like, hey, uh, I need you to take over the spot. I'll teach you, I'll, you know, uh, I'll give you the ropes. Um, you're going to learn. And since you're already working with kids with autism, this should be a walk in the park. And I was <laughs> like, okay, I'll give it a try. You know, I'm, I'm, so I'm moving back home. And that's what I did. She took me under her wings for a year. I learned a lot of things, you know, about how to interact with clients and all of that. But interacting with kids, I think that was something totally different. Because when they trained us at, you know, at Easter Seals, where I worked at for, for with kids with autism, you know, they were teaching us, hey, don't use the word no around these kids. You know, that's not, you know, we, we don't really use the word no. And I was like, okay, so I got to find a way to navigate around the word not saying no while, you know, like telling the kid, hey, don't do this. <laughs> um, so I had to, you know, use other ways to think. And then I also took classes at City College, um, even though I already had a degree in psychology. Mm-hmm. These were kids that were toddlers and infants, right? So I basically had to go back to school while I was working um, under my mom back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then slowly, after four years, I, you know, ran my own childcare. 
and she opened up her other site and it's been it's on it's been it's been a crazy <laughs> journey so far you know as an entrepreneur and as a early childhood educator because things are always changing like right now you know covid new guidelines new kids new reactions to so many things it's been it's been crazy yeah um we met on on facebook and yes. i was really what attracted you, you to me was your post on early childhood development. And um, you have a lot to say about how child, children are traditionally raised, especially in the Asian family, and yeah. how that needs to be revamped, right? Because Pretty really, much. <laughs> yeah, they're really not serving their children. But I would love to hear more from you about your philosophy on early childhood mm -hmm. development. Yeah, so my philosophy is I'm very child um, it, my philosophy in teaching is very child. Um, you know how there's academics and there's Montessori and mm -hmm. there's Reggio Emilia. So these are different types of programs, you know, where they have for kids. For those that don't know um, programs in early, early education, like when they throw around the word Montessori, you know, people think it's a fancy thing. It's really not. It's just, you know, kids, it, it's, it's a program for kids to learn how to be independent, to socialize, to be all these things. And there's different type, right? So my philosophy is I blend all the different aspects of these philosophies and incorporate it into my curriculum. Because, you know, even in grade school, right? It's not a one size fits all. So you can't just use, you know, Montessori for one kid and then like expect that to work around for every other kid. Like it doesn't work that way. Some kids mm -hmm. need guidance than others. So we always have, what I do is I always tailor my curriculum to certain kids. Cause I understand that certain kids are more you know, hands-on and other, other ones are more, other ones are more, you know, like visual learners and stuff like that. So I always implement something into um, my curriculum to make it, you know, fit for everybody. Mm -hmm. Actually, I love that because when I first sent Sophie, my, my oldest daughter to, to preschool, that was my biggest struggle because I'm, I want to send her to Montessori because she's a very sensitive child and she's very creative. So I wanted mm -hmm. an environment where they allow her to kind of choose and do more creative activities. Mm -hmm. um, but the one thing I found was, I felt like they weren't building resilience or persistence because literally yes. the minute she says, I don't want to do this, then okay, just move on to the next thing. Yeah, so it's really, you still have to push them to try a little bit, right? Yeah, I send them to to another day, uh, preschool, and this one was like an Asian Chinese style preschool. And <laughs> They're more academic. You know, she's very sensitive. So when I, the first week, she cried every single day when I dropped yep. her off. And what I found out what they did was they put her in a room by herself until she finished crying. No. Yeah, and hurt so much. Yeah, and then they, you know, they force wow. the kids to do things to the point where. Uh, one parent that ended up going to the final priest I went to told me their son didn't want to take a nap and the teacher would literally hold him down by the shoulders to the point where he became traumatized when at home he won't let his parents hug him because wow. he was so scared of being is, pinned down. That is straight up trauma. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, so I really, you know, I wish I knew about your, your preschool when my kids were going to preschool because that, that was what I was looking for. I, could, I didn't find anywhere where they were really customizing to what your child needed. It was based it on just this is our philosophy way. and we are going to go with this philosophy for every <laughs> single kid, but right, we are not the right. same. I know exactly. Like I've had clients that graduated from my care and now they're in a different preschool 
because the thing is my my um, my site my facility is both a child care and preschool okay. however some parents wanted these kids wanted their kids to be at a part was basically put their kid in in a bigger school setting mm -hmm. like 20 some other kid right mm -hmm. and she came back home i don't think it's much well, i don't think it's more so like a regret but also she was like you know she was venting to me she was like yeah dude my kid came home with snot all over his nose and his shirt like the parents didn't even t like the teachers didn't even take care of him before you you know before i picked him up like they're not as meticulous as you guys and i was like yeah baby, that's how we are you know that's how we function and you and i told her you can't really set that kind of expectation when you're you don't even same you don't even see the same teacher throughout the whole day yeah the teacher the connection 20 kids you know yeah, yeah. it's not the same so I told her, you know, that's what happens when you put him into a bigger school. And then she was like, yeah, she's like, I feel like the school doesn't have much structure and all this stuff. So he is half Italian, half Chinese. Mm -hmm. He grew up, you know, from my childcare, um, learning Cantonese. Mm -hmm. He went to an Italian school. First year, it was terrible. It was just awful. He was like, I don't want to be here. Like, I miss Miss Serena, they're crying, whatnot, right? Second year, he got better. And, um, but the whole, you know, what you said earlier, the whole resilience part still isn't there. Like, so what happened to this child during first year was he got bullied at school. Okay? Oh. He got bullied at school. He's around three and a half when he went to school. Okay. And then you know how he found out that he, that he, he was being bullied? The other parent told my client that, hey, your son is being bullied at school. And that, I, I was just, you know, I, I was baffled because I was like, the teachers didn't say anything? It's supposed to be noticing that. Right. Telling you that, hey, you're, this is what's happening to your son at school. Yeah. That's yeah. terrible. What's your ratio, teacher to ratio at your school? So right now it's, because I have 12, so one to six. That's you great. One. Yeah. That's really great. Um, I also saw on your website, you guys were nominated for Child Care Champion of the Year. Yes. What is that? Talk about, tell us about that. What is that? And yeah, you know. so it was, I mean, I can't take the credit, but it's my mom. Um, so she won the child, yeah, child care champion of the year. So she, um, did a lot of work for the city. She joined a lot of like cohorts and projects and was, you know, advocating for early childhood education around the city. She did all that stuff. And then you know, she's just well known around the community. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And um, let's see, she was, she got nominated out of like 200 people, 200 childcare providers in San Francisco. Wow. Um, and she was nominated. And then she, you know, she, at the end of the day for her, it really isn't about the money. She really wanted a forward education for these kids to for them to have a brighter future, for them to learn, you know, about, to learn from what we can provide them and to mm -hmm. go into the world to be confident, you know, little leaders. Yes, that's what you know. That's that's what her whole mission is. That's what my mission is as well, right? To create, you know, these kids to be more independent, to be confident, you know, to be brave, and all these things. Um, and, and, and to me, Serena, that sounds like every that sounds like, like a goal that every teacher and childcare provider should have. What? Why is not. it? Yeah, <laughs> why? That makes no sense. <laughs> is, I, is there a reason why is it is it money is it money driven or is it because the people that are passionate are not are there's not enough of you like what happened i think that we i don't know so i can't generalize right 
but I can say that I know for some people, you know, at like when you get burnt out, you no longer have that passion. And I've seen a lot of teachers that get burnt out. They'll be like, and I see a lot of parents too, they get burnt out. They, they, they put, here's the problem. They put their child's need in front of their own. And that is, I'm, I mean, I understand that I'm not a parent, but I can see how that deteriorates the relationship between the mom and the child. Cause I meet a lot of clients that say, Hey, I don't have time for myself. I'm like, but I have time for my kid. I'm like, dude, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Unless your whole cup is filled, you cannot, you know, you cannot flow it into other cups. Like that's just, that just doesn't work that way. No yeah. matter how much you try. So when I meet, you know, teachers or other child providers that are like, Oh, I'm so tired. I'm just, you know, exhausted. I'm just so burnt out. I get it. You know, cause right now my, my mom is, completely burnt out it's only tuesday like we're running around 24 7 you know catering to the kids and all those things like that and right now it's been more crazier because of covid mm -hmm. so the thing is for child cares and preschools right now for like um smaller and large facilities i'm not talking about schools right now okay um the kids have to come in we have to physically change your clothes for them before they enter into a classroom mm, okay but that's that's a really great precaution you're taking though. That's like an extra step I don't hear other on top of that. <laughs> on top of that, we're cleaning 24-7. Mm -hmm. I vacuum, I clean, I mop. This is daily, by the way. This is not this is not just a weekly thing. Right. All the toys that they play with, we clean at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And you know, when this adds up, it just gets exhausting. Because we yeah. have clients that come in with kids and uh, right now we'll have a kid that cries for everything. <laughs> She needs to go to the bathroom, she'll cry. She oh needs boy. To cry. She needs to sleep, she'll cry. And that's, we, right now for me, I'm trying to rewire, rewire that mm -hmm. so that the kids will stop, you know, using cry to indicate what she needs. No wonder you're exhausted. I always say, <laughs> I can't bear it. I'm exhausted carrying two for two kids and one of them is 10. <laughs> so she's basically <laughs> taking care of herself. So <laughs> I, I don't know how any teachers can take care of so many children, especially like teachers. And on top of that, we're, we have to create a curriculum. Yes, that too. How do you kind of, you know, how do you find that work and life balance at this point? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so hard. And for me tomorrow, I have a meeting with the department of education when they're going to go over and they're going to update us on what's going on <laughs> in our industry in San Francisco. Because so. of COVID or is it just a yearly thing? Oh no, this is a monthly thing. Oh, monthly? Oh my God. It used to be a weekly thing. It used oh to be a weekly gosh. thing and now it's a monthly. So it, it's been insane. And then we have consultants, we have coaches that follow up with us. They're, they'll ask us, hey, how's this month going? You know, what, um, what observation have you made with your kid? What, um, because we do this kind of like, um, we do observations. It's called the DRDP and it, what is a great and helpful tool and it uh, during parent teacher conference, you know, the parents will, when we invite them into the care, the parents are, will know, Hey, this is where your childhood's, um, your child's milestones are at. This is where your child's at. This is where we're hoping to aim all those things. So parents will get a better picture of how mm -hmm. their child is growing. So just doing, just imagine that workload on top of the other workload on top yeah. of what we do every day. Yeah. The other day, my husband said, if I was a teacher, I would never sign homework because there's so many things I have to yeah. do afterwards. I think I read something earlier. I think um, some teachers, I'm not sure if it's here in the United States, but they stopped giving kids homework because they realized that, you know, homework actually somewhat doesn't really help the kids, you know? Yeah, actually, I've seen that. That's a, that's an interesting 
transition point because I wanted to ask you your thoughts mm-hmm. around tiger moms. A lot yeah. of people just assume I'm a tiger mom because I'm Chinese and I think they assume yeah. every Chinese mom is a tiger mom. That's I'm <laughs> very much the opposite of a tiger mom, but I often struggle with between what's the balance between street smart versus book smart. I personally mm-hmm. care more about street smart because I think you need to be yeah. savvy. Like to me, a degree yeah. that can only get you so far is that savviness mm-hmm. out in the real world that doesn't get you further. But yes. I struggle with the balance because I'm also programmed because up until 11, I was in Shanghai. So yeah. I was very much programmed in that traditional memorize everything, math is yeah. everything kind of world. Um, so I'm actively trying to deprogram myself. But I want to hear your thoughts on what your thoughts on tiger mom or yeah. tiger parent is and how that affects mm-hmm. your children as they develop. Yeah, so my first thought is that the reason why there's tiger moms and tiger dads, you know, whatever it is, is because they seek a sort of control over the child. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. The more you try to control your child, the more they will resist. It happened with me when I was growing up. Okay, I was the most... Okay, I don't know if I can swear on this here, but... I was, yes, you can. Go ahead. I, I was an asshole when I was in high school toward my parents, toward my family. And it's because, you know, now that I think about... Now that I reflect upon it, in, in my earlier years, I was always a good girl. You tell me to sit, I'll sit. If you tell me to do this, I'll do this. You know, I'll listen. But it got to a point where I was just like, I'm tired of listening to you <laughs> telling me what to do for my entire life. So I will rebel. I will piss you off. I will piss you off on purpose if I have to. Mm-hmm. And for me, is so going back to the book smart and street smart, I was always street smart. I never had the best grades in school. You know, there's some things I, you know, I, I excelled in and some things I didn't. And it, it's funny because, you know, Elon Musk was the same way. He mm-hmm. yeah. quickly get passing grades in some classes because he didn't care. He wanted, he already had this like external, like later goal of what he needed. He was like, okay, I need to pass this class in order to get to where I am. Instead of saying, oh yeah, I need to get straight A's, you know? And that's how my sister is. My sister is very book smart. Mm-hmm. But whenever you try to gear her toward being like street smart, she, her brain doesn't gear that way. But for me, it's like, I'll understand immediately. Yep. So it, it's really interesting because I feel like Tiger Mom, they foster more of these, you know, book smart kind of kids. Yes. They always try to, they should always try to control every aspect of their life. Oh, your child's gonna, my child's gonna do this, do that, do that, do that. You're gonna go swim class. I'm like, have you even asked your child, do they like it or not? And the thing is, you're, here's what ends up happening. Either your child will rebel or your child will lie to you just to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about why kids lie. Yes. Kids lie because they want to be on your good side. They don't lie. They lie because they they feel ashamed. And this comes from this comes from parents not letting their child fail. This comes from you know parents not allowing their child to self express themselves. Yes. It, it's like it's all. Here's a common thing amongst uh, my Asian clients, which is, why are you crying? There's no need. For, there's no need for you to cry right now. Something just happened. You know you don't need to cry about it. And for me, it's like, okay, you can, for me, I have a different way of parenting that. I'm more like, I'm more like, you need to cry? Sure, go ahead and cry. But when you're done crying, you can come back to me and we can talk about what happened. Right. Whatever it is, you know? Just know that I'm, I'm always here for you. But if you feel the need to cry, go ahead and cry. Right, you need to release that emotion, right? Otherwise, it just yeah. up and you explode. Exactly. And that's what happened to me in college. All of my emotions, everything I ever bottled up in my life, mm-hmm. exploded. Yeah. 
that's oh. a common currency in my life until I learned to because I was I just like my daughter I was very sensitive and grew yeah. up in the Asian culture that's yeah. not something they tolerate right so no, I've been my definitely. entire life don't be sensitive hold it in don't show emotion yeah. Yeah. and be- and then I will just explode and I'll go crazy yeah. and I do crazy shit yeah exactly and that's what happened to me as well yeah. Yeah. and now I look like, like now I understand why I did those things right because when you're in the moment, you don't know. You're just doing it because you need it to. Yeah. You need to There's no other way. Any way you, way, any way right. you can. We never learn any other way to cope with our emotions. Yeah. That's what I'm teaching these kids right now. Because I personally went through that. I know that these kids will too. And I've seen how these kids turn around. I have a child. My mom thinks he's too sensitive, but I could care less. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's the same way, right? She has an old Asian way of thinking still ingrained in her brain. No matter how much classes that she's been taking to learn about social emotional skills, whatever it is, her old way of thinking will always be attached to the back of her brain. And mm-hmm. for me, I think because I understand where these kids are coming from, you know, my kid, he'll drop something and he'll cry. And I'll be like, okay, go ahead, cry. Once you're done crying, you'll feel better, you know? Right. You know me, but go ahead. Do you feel you cry? But my mom was like, why are you crying? You're a boy. You know, that was such a small detail. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah, and, and this whole like your boy don't cry like yeah. very much very traditional. What well, yeah. not just saying this is every the global issue exactly. where if a boy exactly. you're not supposed to cry, and yeah. and this is why I think we see so many angry men out there. Exactly, and they don't know how to express their feelings. Yeah, they don't know how to express yeah. themselves. They don't have like, to exactly that's the thing. When I met my husband, I mean, he used to never express his feelings, and I remember our first big fight. He yeah. literally were driving, he punched through the windshield. And we're going to his tax uh, uh, tax accountant's office. He literally walked out of the car with his arm bleeding, going to the office, signed the paper, came back out and drove home with his entire arm just bleeding like crazy. It's only until after our daughter was born, he started realizing he needed emotional intelligence. And he's wow. expressing himself. Now he like tells everyone he loves them and he's like hugging everyone. He that is so amazing. Back. So that transformation, but I really see the difference. But also when, when that happens, you, it, it's almost like your, your husband was able to, you know, let him, let himself go and be yes. vulnerable. Yep. He allowed himself because he, no, he allowed himself not, to be vulnerable. Yeah. He mm-hmm. was not given the permission by his parents or by anyone in the society, right? So as a man, you are not permitted to show emotion. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so now he's an advocate for every man to like show your emotion. <laughs> exactly. And now I tell all my kids, yeah, whatever you feel like, show your emotion. If you're angry, show it. <laughs> Like, express it to me. Tell me you're angry. I don't care. Like, I want, I'd rather have you tell me that you're angry, that you're sad, instead of you hiding in a corner and crying alone. Because that terrifies me more. When a child holds it in, know that it's actually a lot worse than what you think it is. So speaking of COVID, our new reality, have you seen how that has affected the children that are going to your school? Mm Mm-hmm. So some, I have a kid right now that's still, I'm training him to put on a mask. I don't know how yet, because <laughs> he's two. Yeah. So I, I don't think he understands the abstract idea mm-hmm. or the concept of wearing a mask. It's so really hard to get toddlers to wear masks. <laughs> but it's crazy because my older kids are used to it. They don't complain about it. I tell them, hey, after breakfast, after lunch, whatever it is, after dinner eating, just put on a mask. And they do it automatically. I had a kid today that told me, hey, I forgot to wear my mask. I was like, oh, wow, you remember, great. <laughs> Um, you know, so my kids actually before COVID has already a good, um, mindset on healthy hygiene. So I taught my kids to cough in their sleeves, even before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like as in general, when you come into my care, I'm gonna teach you that the first thing. Washing your hands, 30 seconds, that's the first thing you learn. So that's already been in the protocol before COVID for childcare facilities. When we get audited, you know, once a year, every, every once, once every three years, we actually get graded on the way these kids wash their hands. How long they wash their hands. Oh, for. wow. Any one second less than 30, dinged. <laughs> so it's, it's been, you know, I guess COVID really didn't put that much stress on the kids when it comes to healthy hygiene, especially for my site, because I already implemented these healthy hygiene goals within them before COVID. Um, the only thing to add on was putting on masks. Well, I, I think I showed my kid enough times. I, you know, during from March to June before we reopened, I was on Zoom with them every single day. Oh, wow. Okay. With them videos, I was telling them why do we wear a mask, how it helps us, how it helps other people. They understood it. Like, they understood it, you know? Yeah. For care, they understood. They're not going to fight me in ch- not wanting to change their clothes when they come in. Yeah. You know, they're not going to fight me when I tell them, hey, you need to put on your mask to protect yourself and protect other people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very good at doing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Kids are definitely, I mean, I've had less issues with my kids putting on masks than adults, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of ways the kids yeah, are much smarter than adults. Smart adult for yeah. some reason. Um, um, these kids are very good listeners and they heed to advice when you tell them. So they that's great. This is truth, you know? But that's what shows like this, this is foundation you already built. That's why it's not a huge, a huge change. Yeah, so I also want to talk about for COVID, I want to talk about resilience, right? Yes. So for the why, the idea of why I want to bring up resilience is because I notice the kids, the way they shift. I know a lot of clients, a lot of people out there right now, they have trouble with the kids on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Their kids won't focus, their kids won't learn, their kids won't sit still, all that stuff, right? Um, so when I was teaching my kids before COVID, you know, we always talked about like, how do you want to be today? How do you want to show up to class today? Do you want to show up and be happy? Do you want to show up to be joyful? How do you want to show up today in class? And that's something we always talk about in the beginning of the day, you know, mm-hmm. to set the intention. And that's, you know, and that's my philosophy. That sets a tone for the rest of the day. And how I built resilience in these kids is, um, or how I realized that they grew so much resilience is that when, you know, when we switch from in person to Zoom, the kids adapted pretty smoothly. They didn't resist. Nice. They didn't do. They didn't walk away. They didn't, you know, say, "I don't want to do this." They were just like, "Okay, is this new? I'll listen." And it's been very rewarding to see that within my kids that I teach, and that I feel like comes a lot from, you know, their inner self, their, their them adapting to the new reality. Because some yes. kids take a longer time to adapt to reality. They don't like changes. My kids enjoy routines. They enjoy routines every day. Um, and for them to be adaptive, it takes time. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. That mm-hmm. some kids, you know, need that amount of time, no matter how long it is. You can't rush your kid and be like, hey, go on Zoom. You know, if you don't yeah. go on Zoom, you're not going to get this and this and this, blah, 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 right? So when you, so that's why I feel like parents have to be more, um, I would love for parents to be, more patient with their child especially on zoom yeah like even now especially if you don't understand something it's because the environment's changed you know yeah i mean zoom it is especially for the younger kids like my daughter started kindergarten this year on zoom kindergarten's an entire new concept and then zoom was an entire new concept and her teacher has so much patience because 
these yeah. kids are just unmuting themselves every other second. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Oh, that's so funny. So during COVID, I mean, I'm really lucky that my kids have adapted pretty well, but I also know there's some kids out there that are just so stressed out by COVID. One of my friend's daughter, she's just the sweetest girl ever, but she literally is getting panic attacks now from COVID. What would you say to these parents? How can they help their children to be less anxious? Um, so this is what I told my clients that actually had trouble, had trouble before. Excuse me. Um, I told them, you know, you can start with verbal affirmation with your kids. So building that self-confidence in your kids. Mm. You know, yes. Telling them, hey, we're going to do this together. I understand that you're struggling right now, but I want you to feel safe. I want you to feel okay enough to tell me what's on your mind, what's causing you to, you know, to, to want to give up, to want to not be here right now, mm-hmm. you know, to get, that goes a long way because sometimes kids have these thoughts, you know, we as adults, we understand that our, our own thoughts aren't our actions, right? Right. And sometimes that's what these kids need. They need that verbal affirmation. They need some kind of affirmation some sign, some kind of like check in from the parents, because I know some parents would be just, would just drop their kids off at front of a desk and be mm-hmm. on and it go away, but then the kids gonna look back and be like, "Mom, are you still here? Like, I need you right here, even though like this is not in person. I still need you here. You know, right. I just want to feel safe. And when they feel safe, when they get to a point where they feel safe enough, they will feel good enough. That's very true. So thinking about childhood education or just education in general right now um, from kindergarten through, let's say, middle school, what are some issues that you're seeing? And if you can change the education system, how would you change it? I mean, besides the part that schools are underfunded. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, besides that part. Um, It's crazy. Here's what I see in San Francisco. Okay, so I have different I have different kind of clients that come into my care. I have clients that make a lot of money and I have clients that are less fortunate, you know, that are under government subsidy. So I have, right. So I have a client that is paying 36,000 a year, crazy, <laughs> crazy, 36,000 a year, right. For TK. So TK is what, five to six years old. Wow. I, yeah. Uh, TK, so TK is, yeah, five. Yeah. So she's allowed to be in school. Right, mm-hmm. as their school has the capital to afford opening up, and they have the resources to, you know, rent out other places. But it's to, a private school, right? Yeah, it's a private yeah. school to rent out a space for the kids to be in. Yeah. Meanwhile, my other school, my other my other client, she's in. She's five years old. She's in a public school setting, and they're all on Zoom, mm-hmm. and it's the ratio is one to thirty. Yes, the public schools, the ratio, I mean, like, again, I don't know how teachers can't, like, no wonder they're tired and they're burnt out. And I don't blame the kids. Honestly, I don't blame the kids for not paying attention. I can't yeah. imagine myself being in two hours, three hours Zoom. Yeah. You know, with 30 other people. Yeah. You have to take turns talking with 30 other kids. Like, how do you do that? That's such an un, it's such a unrealistic expectation to even set for a five-year-old child. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like parents need to be, parents need to understand this. Parents need to understand this. Teachers need to understand this. And because I still, my client still comes to me and she tells me, hey, my child's not focusing in Zoom. Da, 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 da. This is what's happening. I'm like, because first of all, she, she didn't learn English as her first language 
you have a new teacher coming in saying everything in English. How do you expect your own child to understand English when her first language isn't even English? And she went to my care. She didn't learn English until she's mm -hmm. me. My mom spoke Cantonese to her most of the time, you know? Right. That's a lot of stress for kids. Mm -hmm. Sophie was in a Mandarin speaking daycare. And then before mm -hmm. she started public school, we started speaking English strictly at home because she didn't know how to speak English. <laughs> and then she probably forgot all her Mandarin and she won't speak Mandarin anymore. <laughs> that's so funny. But that's something, you know, that's, I've seen that happen. Absolutely. Like I've seen that happen. My kids went to, my kids are graduating. They went to a new school, uh, the one that cost like 36,000. Yeah, so she went to that school, you know, and I asked my client, oh, how is that right now? Like, because you're the only, I, was, I told her, I was, you're the only one of my, you're one of my few clients that actually are able to go to school physically right now. That mm -hmm. even then it's not, you know, it's not what I thought it would be. Basically she meant to say, it's not the same as your care. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you expect? Yeah. Still, you're in a bigger setting, even yeah. like a lot a boatload more mm -hmm. you know, like this is what it is you're just gonna have to, have to adjust to it because you signed up for your child to be in a bigger setting yeah and her school is nice because they separate two classes which is one to twelve and you know it's one to twelve so 24 kids right with two mm -hmm. teachers. Mm -hmm. but in a public school setting you don't have that they're no. they, last time i checked they laid off teachers teachers, yeah. teachers are, don't even have a job and you know the school's always under the schools always have budget cuts, so they're not going to have the, you know, the, the greatest of education. I'm a room parent this year. I help plan all the virtual parties uh, yeah. from Zoom. <laughs> but yeah, they need, there's, I think, like four room parents because they need so much help. They need so much help, you know, and I think teachers now, because they're online, they don't really have teacher aid. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you a crazy story. So my, my, my fiance's sister, okay, my fiance's sister, she is a middle school teacher. She teaches fourth grade. She taught th third grade last year. Did you know that she had to pay out of her own pocket for maternity leave? What? Yeah. yeah, she paid out of pocket. She paid for a sub, by the way, to cover her weeks. She paid out of her own pocket for a sub for a couple weeks because the school didn't give her enough maternity days. And it's not required in the state of California. She... Her school, her, her school's district is in Fremont. That's terrible. I mean, the first time I heard that, that a uh, teacher had to cover her own salary to cover for an aid. I feel so bad for all teachers, especially now during COVID, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm actually seeing all the things they have to do. How is one person doing all this, right? Taking care of, yeah. I think our, our class is still relatively small. I think it's like 28 students for Sophie's class. Mm -hmm. Um, but still, that's 28 papers you have to grade. I mean, she do teaching multiple subjects. You have to grade all those things. You have to spend one-on-one -on -one time with these teachers. And they have their own kids at home that are learning. Yeah. This is learning at exactly. home. And I'm just like, how are you doing this? I don't. I can barely yeah. handle. I'm like, I literally, my kids right now go to my sister-in-law's <laughs> to do their distance learning. My, well, my, my fiance's sister right now, she has, her, she has her mom taking care of their child while she's teaching on Zoom. For yeah, like it's just. Hours, you know? Schools need better funding. They need, and it's, teachers it's, it's need crazy. to be paid a lot more. Yeah. And here's what, here's the thing is right now, there's a lot. So each year, I'm going to tell you, I think some childcare providers are going to get pissed at me for saying this, but um, here's the truth. So we get a lot of funding from the government, from the city for early childhood education. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's great and all, we have enough funding. We get all the supplies we need. You know, during COVID, um, we were all very lucky enough because the government and the city was so generous. They gave us so much PPE. Mm -hmm. Like they have jars and jars and jars of hand sanitizers. Even now, we can go to their um, agency and pick up a couple, you know, like liters of um, disinfectant sprays and stuff like that. Okay. You know, what about teachers? It's crazy. Because great, it, it's great that we have what five million for or five billion, five million. I forgot what it was, what number it was, but it was a huge sum that it's going toward early childhood education. However, my thinking is, why don't you allocate some of that money where it's more needed, which is in public schools? Yes, yeah, public schools. Where they need I've the never money. heard of getting more. I've never heard of a city giving more funding to educate to literally schools. That's really, yeah, I wonder what is the logic between ample funding for early childhood education, but not outside of that. Exactly. I mean, I get- Education continues. Right, education continues. And that's what I say. And that's why people are like scratching their heads because they're like, why are you complaining? You're an early child educator. You make great money. You know, you get so much funding from from, from the government. Why are you complaining? I'm like, because it's not fair for teachers, for teachers that work in public school settings where they have to cough up money. And it's also not here for the children, right? Like the children that graduate from your school to go to public school, then they're getting a shitty deal afterwards because- Exactly. (laughs) I'm just like, that just puts my, that just puts my, everything that I put in the child gone away. Exactly. It's the thing called continued education. Like I get that we're the foundation for the child, but it doesn't mean that it stops there. Oh boy. Is is the thinking, I'm just like wondering, is the thinking that the student will find their own education outside of public school and teachers? Um, they'll either find it in private tutors or in, in their parents um, to offer that education. And they so we have to pay actually more money and that education truly isn't free. I don't think that education is free. <laughs> not at it's all. Not free. Quality, and you can tell because you pay more for a quality education here, especially in California and San Francisco, right? And you, you know, and when you don't have that amount of money, you go to, I'm not going to say crappier school, but I'm going to say that it's, it's a school with less, fun, with less funding. So that means less resources coming in. Especially in the poor districts. Those, those schools yeah. need the most and those schools don't get shit. Exactly. You don't get any funding. I haven't, I haven't heard. Okay. That's the thing. Like, I haven't heard a teacher come up and tell me, hey, great. I just got funded or I just got a grant from the government. No, you don't hear that at all. Right. Because teachers yeah. cough up so much money to give supplies to the kids. Yeah. And the, the assumption should never be they can get education outside of school because that's what school is for. Like yeah. we shouldn't have to pay for a tutor if they're already going to school unless they're just not you know they just need extra help but they should yeah. be learning everything there already and here's the thing teachers are already staying after school to help the kids yes they are <laughs> yeah, they are and they're going early to prep everything like yeah. when the covid when covid started like they didn't get any help from the district the teachers had to like figure out within a week how to switch from in classroom into over to zoom and they exactly. did everything themselves you know yeah. so it's just there's no support there yeah. whatsoever what our government prioritizes is just, it's really Oh yeah, it's got its priority all wrong. <laughs> all of us know that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just so interesting because I, like, in in other 
countries where they have a more unified school district, it, yeah. it is very much like this is not even a problem they consider. They just they just have the the funding, and they I don't even know if it's they have the funding, but maybe it's the whole foundation of what the government believes i'm not even really sure how we got to this place to be honest because you know other than the fact that maybe that everyone in power had just a little bit more help and didn't go to public school that's just what i'm thinking (laughs) because why would you you not want to support a system or provide this education because that's like it just is shooting your own system in the foot yeah um anyways but that's just always been my conspiracy theory that that's people are going to fund and allow things to happen based on their own um their their own own agendas yeah well i think that my my conspiracy theory if we're going to speak conspiracy theories (laughs) mine is i mean how do you keep people keep more control over your citizens exactly if they're not as educated it is at the end of the day all about power yeah exactly so but it's if okay. you think about our education system in general we've all read the same textbook in the past what 30 freaking years <laughs> the same history so, book never the same english book <laughs> yeah english book come on history book oh they all been the same how many editions were there like five six by now man <laughs> you think about it we weren't taught to think outside the box we're taught to be, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to be, I want to be a dentist. I want to be blah, 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 blah. But no one ever says, oh, I want to be myself. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do all these crazy things, you know? And that takes so much resilience. That takes so much freaking self-confidence in order even to just think outside the box. Because we're always afraid of being wrong. We're always afraid of being judged, you know, all that stuff, especially in college, especially in high school and, you know, and just wherever, even now as adults, right? Yeah. We're never taught to think for ourselves. We're always taught, here's a system, you're going to go through it, you can graduate, get a job, and then buy a house with loans, you know. Yeah, and that's my issue with, with this education system is there's, again, a lot of memorization. You get, like, for SATs, I never use any I, of the words. Why do I you never need to words. know these words? Like, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, never but they don't prep you for real life. I never took a, like, how to manage your finances class. Yeah. Not in high school, not in college. Like, I literally left college and I was in debt and I was like yeah. spending a lot of credit cards. I didn't understand how to balance yeah. anything. Like they don't teach you how to take care of yourselves. Like you mm-hmm. feel thrown in the world and you're just like, okay, let me just figure shit yeah. out. <laughs> exactly. And then you and your parents kind of like, you know, my parents always instilled this, you know, way of thinking in me, hey, if you get out from college, you're gonna have a great job. Blah, 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 blah. So you, we come out with that expectation yes. that we're gonna, this is what we deserve, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And we come out, and I, I came out, I'm like, I'm in debt, I'm in loans, I'm getting paid to work 10 hours a week because my manager won't give me more hours. Like, is this what it's supposed to be? Mm-hmm. It's college yeah. is such a scam at this point. <laughs> they don't prep you. you know? I feel so bad for kids who are graduating, who graduated, you know, the, with the last um, economy crash, and then now with this one, they can't yeah. find jobs. Like, what's the point of going to college? You're like, so, you have so much debt, mm-hmm. and you can't find a job. Exactly. Which is why all of them start their own TikTok and YouTube channels. Exactly. They make a shit ton of money, and I'm all for it because yeah, they're making finding ways to hustle. That's exactly. Understand they need they need to step outside the box. Mm -hmm. Listening to this is what my parents told me, so I know that this is right. I'm I'm gonna be a doctor so I can make money. You come out, no one's gonna hire you as a doctor because right now no one's hiring COVID. Yeah, and also you can't predict, like, how are we supposed to know what jobs are available when, when our Correct. kids are exactly. growing, right? Automation is, like, taking over everything. So, yeah. like, just just as 
my parents couldn't predict YouTube, like, yeah. you know, or social I media, what, social media influencers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't predict what's going to happen. So why am I forcing them to take all these math classes and all these English yeah. classes when it's my daughter going to be better at math or is the computer going to be better at math? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Lose every and time. as far as I know, computers don't make much errors. So yeah. So I'm all about like fostering innovation, fostering creativity and fostering the hustle, understanding yes. how to hustle, how to get there and like think outside the box. Cause I have so much trouble thinking outside the box cause I was not trained that way. I was trying yeah. to get a job, go yeah. get your, your job after college and just work that job the rest of your life. And then you're yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what I've been taught. And you know, it's crazy now to think back on it. You know, when we used to have those, um, you know what my parents used to give me workbooks. Okay. And it was to help with English and writing. Mm-hmm. It would say, um, one of the questions was like really creative thinking a question and it'll ask you like blah 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 answer may vary so my dumbass, I would you know how you know how you have ABCs why not and after it'll ask you questions that makes you like write a sentence mm-hmm. my, my answer was answer may vary <laughs> I was looking at the I, I was looking at the end of the workbook for these multiple choice answers <laughs> you know how to think outside the box yeah you know so I was always terrible at English, you know. I, I took I had to retake English twice in college because I was just so bad at it. It's okay, I'm still bad at English. So. Yeah. <laughs> My mom used to always say you can't speak Chinese well, you can't speak English well. What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly. So it, so it's crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Serena, I know you are on the time limit. Um I think you have to meet a client, right? At, so yeah. late in the evening it's like this just shows it never ends work never ends it's, for it's an educator <laughs> exactly. um so i don't i want to make sure you get there on time um but before we end we like to ask our guests to provide a, their favorite quote and why is their favorite quote do you have a quote you want to share with us i do so it, it's um my quote i've always stuck with this this stuck with me since the very beginning of time which is everything that you want is on the opposite side of fear that is so true. That is so true. That is literally everything I'm reading and learning right now. That is so true. Whether it is, you know, e- emotional strength, so building that vulnerability, and you want that goal, you just have to want it bad enough. You know, you just got to want it bad enough to go for it. Because some people, we all get stumped over by, oh my God, this, so, this fear is so great. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than what I can do. And that's where we need to tell our ego. That's what we're going to tell our consciousness. No, you're wrong. I understand it's uncomfortable, but you got to go through with this. I don't care how uncomfortable it is, you know? Yep. And, and I feel like in our whole life, no one has ever taught us that uncomfortable, being uncomfortable is good. Yeah. Good thing. We're always taught that, oh, avoid the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? stay on the safe path. Exactly, stay on the safe path. Yep. Whatever is more safe for you. Mm-hmm. And, and what makes the most money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who cares if you're happy or not? You make that money, you're good. <laughs> Exactly. So people live in so much fear. And I, you know, as an entrepreneur, I've been through that. I had a whole year of like nervous breakdowns, anxiety. I was sleeping, I was sleeping for like an hour or two each day because I was so worried about my business and how it's going to start off and whatnot, you know? Mm-hmm. So once you get that out of the way, you can still be fearful and still succeed. Yes. Yes. Um, actually, I do, no, I do have one more question for you. Go ahead. <laughs> What is one advice you can give to any parent right now with a young child at home? So I want to say new moms, mm-hmm. class in early childhood education. 
It will help you with bond with your child. I swear to God, it will help you level up your relationship with your child. You will have less stress. I promise. I promise. I I agree. I I did take some classes too. (laughs) Because parenting's hard. No one ever teaches how to be a parent. Yeah. I swear. Because you will understand your child in so much more, in so many more different ways than you are struggling right now. Mm -hmm. Most of your worries to rest. Because you will understand your child so much better and how to take care of them and and how to take them, you know, and how to help them grow and develop as a human instead of, because, you know, as a parent, you know, it, it doesn't take a degree to be a parent. You don't need a certificate to be a parent, right? And and that's the thing. It, it it's, You don't have to walk in there blind. You don't have to go in there blind. Yeah classes are for to help you to be a better parent because i always have clients come up to me and ask me how do i be a better parent and then i tell them this is what you gotta do here's what you're doing wrong currently but if, if they took those classes they wouldn't need me to come they, they wouldn't really need me right to tell them what to do because they would already know yeah okay guys you, you heard it here first go take that class it's well worth yes. it and i agree i i took a few classes and it was well worth it yes. um can you let our audience know if they will have more questions for you or they want to reach out to you or check out your school? Where can they find you? So you can find me. You can just email me um, at stsan002 at gmail.com. Um, and then they can also reach me on like Facebook because you have my information. Yep. I will, I will link that in, our, in the episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, whoever needs my help or just you have any, you know, have any problems, you have any, if you feel like you're not getting on the right foot with your child, because um, my, well, I have one client, she, she pulled me aside during the pumpkin patch, because I, I, um, I threw a pumpkin patch event for these kids, um, like just recently, I had a client pull me over and was like, hey, uh, I'm having trouble with my kid right now. Like, I don't feel like I'm bonding with her. I feel like everything I do, she's against me. And then I was like, okay, we're going to talk about this right now. And then, <laughs> and then, and then so, so yeah, this, this is for whoever, you know, feel like they're not on the right foot with a child and they want to honestly create a better relationship with a child. Like, that's what I'm here for. And that's what I advocate for at the end of the day, for you to get a better relationship with your child. Because that's what matters, you know? That's it's not about important. the grades. Yeah. Yeah. It's, not it's not about, about the grades. Oh, really is not. Oh, my, my, my kid's so great. He's potty trained. You know? Yeah. No one cares if your child is potty trained. No one gives a crap. <laughs> like, you, know, you don't need to graduate. Like, it's great to have it, but who cares? Like, I'm sorry. You know? So you've got to be able to build that emotional intelligence with your child. Build that relationship. Build that bond where your child trusts you enough to tell you shit. If not, you're... If not, then this is this is gonna be a really difficult relationship with your child. Yes. Yeah. If it, especially the, the, when they're young, you can just set that foundation. They gotta trust you and have that close relationship. Yeah. Otherwise, when they're teenagers, good luck to you. <laughs> good luck to you. You're trying like me. <laughs> or me. <laughs> yeah, I give my parents like a white lie. That was bad. But now I understand where I'm coming from. You know. Yeah. So parents, you know, parents. You, I also want to, you know, I also want to talk about this. Like, parents need time for themselves. Yes. When you don't have enough time for yourself, you're going to lash it out, project it onto your child. Yes. And your child is not going to take it nicely. 
Yes, actually, I wanted to point out what you said in the beginning about um, you shouldn't always put your ch children's needs before you. I used to make that mistake and I was so burnt out and I just, yeah. you know, I was not the best mom. It's you mm -hmm. had to find that balance. Like my children's needs will always be my priority, but so is my needs, right? Yeah, so my children you, know okay. there's certain time, that's my time. You go yeah, find your thing, that's my time. Exactly. And the thing is parents are afraid to tell their, their, to tell their kids that for some reason. But your children need to learn boundaries. It starts from yeah. the home. Learn the boundaries. And this is, here's the thing. This is a common theme among so many of my clients right now. I have been teaching them, especially my new clients, to create boundaries with their kids. Mm -hmm. They don't do that at home. You know, as much as I do the work at school, parents also need to do the work at home. Yes. Yep. Because the kids is going to be torn with two different concepts. Yes. Yeah. It's consistency. So create boundaries with your kids. Don't be afraid of your kids saying no and throwing a tantrum. Let them throw a tantrum. Who cares? Yes. Just get over it. I you agree. Know? I agree. Well, thank you so much, Serena. This was a really fun conversation. Um, thank you for having me. I love talking about these things. I'm so passionate in it. Thank you for having me, you know, on your platform and just, you know, letting me be. Yeah. Yeah. And I will link all your information below. So anybody interested in checking out your school or, or talking to you more, they can find you there. Um, again, thank you so much for your time. And we'll connect again over Facebook. And I look forward yeah. to seeing all your posts. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank bye. you, Serena. Bye. Bye. Hello, everyone. It's Yen here. Before we end this episode, I just wanted to reiterate that we are not saying education is not important. It certainly is. As I said in the podcast, I have hired a tutor to teach my younger daughter how to read. So we definitely care about education. We're simply advocating for a more balanced workload and ways to educate our children outside of the classroom and textbooks. This is especially important for Asian families where too many children are stressed out by their workload at too young of an age. It's not normal to hear a six-year-old complain about how stressed they are with their workload. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, please let us know your feedback. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We really appreciate your support for our little podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you can leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. This will help more people discover our podcast. You can find Lost and Refound Podcast on Instagram at lost.and.refound. If you want to email us, you can do so at lostandrefoundpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I hope you stay positive and creative. Bye.